like docket day afternoon. Hello, I'm Sarah DeBunting. I'm here with Eve Beatty. Welcome back to the docket. It's the audio wing of bestevidence.fyi. And today we're talking about Dog Day Afternoon, the film, the real crime that it was based on, the Village Voice reporter who wrote up the original real life case. Um, I think I've mentioned that on Best Evidence before, and we will link it in the show notes. But Eve, let's start with you. Have you seen the film? How familiar are you with the real case? I have seen the real film, and I have. I am certain that at some point when I was very young, I read the Life magazine piece that many people mm-hmm. credit as sort of the source material for the film. Yes, um, which because my grandparents in Dayton, Ohio, had coffee tables covered in Life magazines. But you'll be shocked to hear, Sarah, that in Dayton, Ohio, they did not have coffee tables covered with the Village Voice. So mm. I feel like I got a mm. lot of like my sort of early news from those old life magazines and um the life story i just looked it up it was called the boys in the bank Mm-hmm. but before that and see this what i like about this conversation is it underscores my entire argument which is all true crime begins with essentially blotter entries local news you know people who are just sort of writing one-offs and it all sort of blooms from there and that's why local news is important thank you dan casino mm-hmm Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, There is not a link to this, the Boys in the Bank article. Uh, We will find it somewhere for the show notes. I think I used to have it in stock at Exhibit B um, in its original format uh, and no longer do. But um, Arthur Bell, I think, had a... um, I don't know if he necessarily wrote up the case, but he had some kind of like oral history of the film or something. I have to go back in our archives, but he was just talking about how he actually knew this guy, no, the he, real guy. He called, on Sarah, he called the bank. He got a tip. Right. He was just there at the desk and he called in. So he was like the initial sort of person doing like the crime coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we needed that guy. We lost him too early, but um, yeah, that, uh, that must've been, I don't know. I would love to have been in the cab on the way to Brooklyn (laughs) hearing that story. Uh, Yeah, the it's been a while since I saw the film, but talk about guys that we still need. John Cazale. Oh, yeah. Who at the time of his premature passing was engaged to Meryl Streep, some of New Jersey's own. Uh, That guy every now and then. I think about like whatever upcoming docudrama mob related properties coming out. And it's like, God, you know, it'd be perfect for that Fredo. (laughs) Don't have him to kick around anymore. What a shame. Uh, I think he could really have um, really have rocked a bet crap. His percentage would have been like 88. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting that this, it's interesting that this particular story um, endures the way that it does, given the alleged motivations of the of the robber and when it took place. Do, I mean, do you find that sustain odd, or do you think it's down to the way that it was written up and the way that Sidney Lumet made the movie? Well, I think that, like, 
nobody is going to argue that the themes around gender affirmation surgery and um, being a person who identifies as cis and straight, but who wants to be with a trans person, all that. None of this stuff was handled in a way that has aged particularly well. But I also, well, no. Yeah, but I also feel like we have to. We don't give early '70s movies enough credit for touching on some of this stuff. Once again, I'm going to say for the record, not well, but still, they did address it. There was poor representation, but representation, and you know, nonetheless, and. I guess because I'm thinking also about uh, a, another one of Bell's stories that inspired a movie, and that's Cruising, also starring you know Al Pacino, mm-hmm. also a movie that has aged poorly. But you know, between these two movies, I think that they've still influenced so many gay filmmakers, and the fact that they are rooted in truth is almost immaterial when it comes to the fact that it 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 did open up that conversation about uh, gay stuff. It just took a while. Gay stuff I'm right. using sort of generically. Right. Yeah, I think that um, having not seen it in a while, uh, I'm just assuming that there's some cringy terminology. Whoa. But, uh, I mean, I think you're right on that the fact that it was addressed at all um, is interesting. I, I mean, it is funny to think about, especially at this in this decade, just how many, uh, like, issues, true crime, docudrama, Pacino was in. I mean, cruising, uh, okay, but also Serpico, and this, and was he in um, Needle Park, Panic at Needle Park? Is that someone else? I feel like he was, but then again, all those guys sort of look alike to me. Listen, I know we we are not here to praise cruising, but I will note this: no. that when I was interviewing the um, the guys who uh, made Last Call, the HBO uh, docu series uh, based on Elon Green's book, um, both of them talked about how influential cruising was for them. Um, uh, the director talked about how he went to see cruising on the first his first date with his husband. The director of Last Call is shockingly young. Um, he he has a very youthful face, but I'm I'm sure he's not even thirty yet. And there is a whole sort of like I think a group of young gay or non-binary uh, sort of filmmakers now that are looking at this stuff again and thinking about how it makes sense both within sort of the documentary and the fictional things. So like, yeah, this stuff is like, I don't know. I just want to say again, this stuff is like ooky and weird, but I also think that it is making people think and it's making people go back and look at this stuff. Have you seen the dog, the documentary that I don't know, it's like probably like 10 years old. I saw that it existed, but I couldn't find a copy of it to watch before this podcast. Uh, have I seen which now? So, okay, The Dog is a documentary that came out around 10 years ago about the Al Pacino character, but the real guy whose name was, I apologize to our Polish listeners, I'm going to do this poorly, John Wojtowicz? Wojtowicz? Yeah, it's hard hard to tell. Oh, I don't don't know if that's correct. Well, I'm just guessing. I, I apologize for my illiteracy when it comes to Polish names. But anyway, it was a documentary about about the real John, the guy that this was based on. 
And um, right. I haven't seen it. And I didn't even know that it existed until I was doing research for the show today. I ha- I have heard of that. I forgot that it was called that. I feel like I saw it and then it didn't register. Okay. For me, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just sort of like trailing off looking at all of the um, true crimey things that Al Pacino has been in. It's insane, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Donnie Brasco. Oh God, I forgot about Donnie Don- Brasco. Yeah, that's a real guy who ended up writing, trying to write novels. Like, fictional Donnie Brasco solves crimes. And you know who else did that? Toma. David Toma. We've talked about it. It all goes back to Toma, guys. It all comes back to Toma. Uh, Oh, God, he played Jack Kevorkian. Okay. Yeah, wow. Do I have to do 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 a bet crap on... Pacino, I think I do. You haven't? I thought you had. Oh. No, I don't think so. Well, okay. Have maybe you take the week off and you all the, all you do is that because it's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> I just um, did not realize that he and Jill Clayberg were together for like five years. That seems impossible. How old was Al Pacino when they made Dog Day Afternoon? Because one of the things that strikes me about the actual heist um, is how young all of these participants were. Um, the mm-hmm. central guy, the Al Pacino guy, was the oldest guy. He was 27. But everybody else was like 18, 19, 20. It's just, it's just wild. Right. Well, he was born in 1940, so he was in his early 30s when it happened and mid-30s when the movie came out. Okay, close enough. Yeah. Yeah, this this documentary sounds familiar. Do we... Where is it? Where is it? Where can we watch it? I couldn't find it anywhere to watch. That's the thing. The only option I saw is that I could, like, order a hard copy from um, the distributor, which is, like... I don't know. Like... Almo Draft House has like partial ownership in it or something, but I just I couldn't find. Maybe that's why it's hard to stream. I don't know. I couldn't find it. I but I also didn't try methods. I just um, you don't need road. to try methods. Oh, you you can it? rent it on Amazon. You oh. can rent it on Apple TV. You can stream it on Vudu. To be maybe I was just feeling stingy then. Something that looks like a penguin. Um, Dearest Eve and also listeners, justwatch.com. This is this is how you find stuff. I am shocked actually though, because sometimes with a name like the dog, it's like, oh my God. It's it's gonna give me a million results and none of them will be correct. But this came right up. So this this was the problem I had with Google. You're right. I should have used Just Watch. I did not even think mm. about that. The dog captures John, who shares his story for the first time in his own unique, offensive, hilarious, and heartbreaking way. We gain a historic perspective on New York's gay liberation movement, in which he played an active role. In later footage, he remains a subversive force. Even though, P.S., he got a lot of prison time, was paroled, was violated, went back in, got back out, went back in. I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm out. Yes, then, that was a yeah. reference to Frankie and Johnny, Nicely. another Al Pacino film. No, no, I, 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 I sensed your impression of Pacino. I thought that was really good. And he, 
he was alive until fairly recently. By fair, fairly recently, I mean by my old lady standards. Um, he died in 2006. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, some of these, I think that the other, I think his accomplices are still around somewhere. I feel like I remember reading an interview with, um, and I only remember because this guy has such a great name, Sal Natural. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I remember reading an interview with him not all that long ago. So I feel like he's still in sort of the occasional crime punditry game or something. Um, but these Whatever happened with there. the gender affirmation surgery? I think she got it. Yeah. Yeah. I was Liz Eden was her name. Um, okay. and I, I do think I, f- I feel like I read somewhere else that she eventually did have the surgery. Um, but I don't know, you know, where, how, or any, you know, any of those details. Okay. This is directed by Alison Berg. Who also directed Manhunters, Fugitive Task Force, and Cold-Blooded, colon, The Clutter Family Murders, which I, that was like a Berlinger production house joint that I really liked and thought more people should have watched. So, what else? What else? Apparently there is a TV project, Untitled John Wojtowicz. Sorry again. TV project. Uh, okay. Rise and Fall of Lula Rowe, co-executive producer. D.B. Cooper, Case Closed, executive producer. Okay. So, yeah, I feel like I can recommend Alison Berg's work. Cold-Blooded, The Dog, Teen Mom 2. You got to pay the bills. Everybody's got to pay the bills. Yeah. And look, I, you know, my feelings on... Teen Mom, and that franchise being actually a quite valuable document about how various underserved populations in America post-addiction life uh, is lived. So I, you know, good is not necessarily a word I would use, but I think it's a valuable show, and it's definitely going to teach you how to get good sound bites out of people so good for her do we think that they should reboot I, the movie i think they should I kind of feel I think, like maybe well, they should. okay here's the thing i think that they should before as we you know like sort of like calling back to another uh, episode of this podcast that um we discussed recently i think we they somebody good needs to reboot it in a prestige way before ryan murphy decides to sort of chew it up and spit it out and mm-hmm. I and I also Agreed. just think that there is a way to talk about everything that happened in not just like a more compassionate and sort of more legit way than they did back then, but also in a way. I mean, I don't. Know, I think that everyone is well humanized and relatively well humanized in Dog Day Afternoon. I'm trying to remember. Was Liz played by? Was that Chris Sarandon who played Liz? I cannot remember. Um, I Very believe young. so. Baby Chris yes, Sarandon. I but so. I feel like this is, you know, this yeah, is an opportunity to cast a trans person. This is, you know, the, there are opportunities here casting wise that interest me perhaps slightly more than the story itself. But also like this feels like a very affordable film to make if you were to reboot it because you, you could, you could mm-hmm. single set it. And I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said about that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Who do we think should direct it? Huh. And while you're ruminating on that, any thoughts on casting? Is, is Matt Bomer too old? But Matt Bomer will never to... be too old for anything, Sarah, bite your tongue. Okay. All right. I will point out that Sorry. Matthew Broderick's pop was in Dog Day Afternoon, so if we could get him back, that would be, that would be a nice <laughs> full circle moment. I think that there are... I, do, I believe that Liz was white and i do think that there are a lot of white trans actors out there right now who are doing great work that we perhaps do not see as much as um black trans actors this is not a, like a oh no it's a representation problem but just pose brought to the forefront so many great black trans actors so i'm having a hard time mm. thinking of a white trans actor who is the right age for the role but i'm sure that there is somebody out there who would be terrific right or they could just switch it up. Yeah, sure. I'm also cool with that. Uh, yeah. But it's just like uh, Laverne Cox can't get all the jobs. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Who, was there anyone famous on the law enforcement side whose name we would still know? Charles Durning. Hold on. Was he really? Wasn't he one of the cops? I'm pretty sure he was. Oh my God. No, I'm looking now. Maybe he who was a bank in, Who steps in for John Cazell? I think it's Adam Driver. Sure, I'll take Adam Driver in anything. Mm-hmm, me too. But the I thing was is, just like, who's a, who's a tall guy who's like actually tall, not like Hollywood 5'11"? Like, mm-hmm, okay. Who have we got here? Carol Kane was in this shit? Oh, my God. I think she played um, his wife. Like, his, you know, his oh, cis wife. Yeah. Because, I mean, this was essentially sort of a case of bigamy. He was married uh-huh. to a cis person and then in obviously an unsanctioned ceremony married a trans woman. So, mm-hmm. All right. So Charles Durning is in this Lance Henriksen. He must have been like five years old. This. Yep. James Broderick, Gary Springer, and uh, someone... Um, the character of Miriam was played by Marsha Jean Kurtz, who Law and Order heads will remember yeah. as the Pookie woman from the uh, Lisa Steinberg ripped from the headlines episode. Um, she is always just perfect on these Law and Order Law and Order episodes, and I'm not sure who she would have played. Penelope Allen is in this. Uh, hey, is that guy Sully Boyer's in this? And uh, Matt's dad, James Broderick. Yeah. We always forget that Matthew Broderick is a Nepo baby. I, yeah. Oh, man. Nepo baby uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh, my God. I actually have been watching uh, Painkiller as we're recording this. Oh. Uh, it's just come out today. And, uh, oof. Really? I mean, this isn't this isn't what we hoped for when we all fell in love with him in war games forty years ago, but it's not a bad performance. I think we all said that when we watched election too. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this is basically like this is kind of a variation on the election role that it's like, I will make you despise me. Like, we're good we're good, actually. I think that an Adam Driver 
uh, Matt Bomer-led Dog Day Afternoon reboot is just the thing. I just want those guys uh, to kiss. Yeah. But we are not <laughs> sure. We are not sure who else should be in it. We're not sure who should direct it. And we need your help to figure that out. So this is the problem with, you know, the ongoing strike is I've forgotten who everyone is. They've been yeah. out of my consciousness now for a couple of weeks. And so I've deleted all that information. It's like being yeah. filled up with like information from like books and the news. <laughs> Reality shows. Oh, yeah. Ancient uh, seasons of The Amazing Race, which there's worse ways to spend your time, folks. I am not a Paramount Plus employee by any means, but it's there for you. I'm just throwing out just Project saying. Runway All-Stars this season. I'm enjoying it very much. It's on Peacock. Yeah, me yeah. too. See? Me too. Yeah. And no crimes. Yeah. Which is fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm wondering when the real like noticeable to civilians uptick in repurposed complete garbaggio pan and scan true crime. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's coming. Mm -hmm. I just don't know when. So then again, I guess we'll find out. This episode is going to be coming out after the, um, the meeting between the, um, you know, the studios and streamers and um, the guilds that, as we record, there's a meeting scheduled for Friday that where negotiations might resume. So who knows? By the time you're listening to this, the strike could all be over and the speculation could be meaningless. Everyone could be back at work. Yeah, it's true. Or we could be talking about who is going to be in the eventual biopic of that time that David Zaslav got stuffed in a trunk <laughs> and driven to Burbank and left in a boiling parking lot. That's cool. Sign me Allegedly. up. Allegedly. Yeah. All right, folks. Casting help. Biopic suggestions. We are here for all of it from you guys. So scroll down to the comments. Leave us one. Send us an email. It'll reach both of us. Editorial at bestevidence.fyi and 919-75-CRIME. We are available via call or text if you leave us a voicemail and it's okay for us to use it on the podcast, let us know that and we will do so. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>